<laughs> Gotta pump ourselves up. I am big. <laughs> and I guess I'm white. <laughs> and together we're big and white. Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together, we are Big and White. And you're listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, what are we talking about today, White? Today, we are talking about us, who we are, and that specifically is being single in Asia. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. <laughs> yeah, we got some things to say about this topic, obviously. Um, some some good things and some bad things, but we'll try and keep it light and breezy. Anyway, before we talk about that. But before we talk about. <laughs> before we talk about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. The. We have the worst echo. You have to edit this. <laughs> I don't have an echo. It's just so delayed that I'm like three quarters of the way through my sentence before I realized you were talking. <laughs> Editing these podcasts while we're apart is like hosting a podcast with a serial killer. Because <laughs> you're like saying something really serious. You're like... You say something funny and then you're but then you're like, yeah, but you know, it was actually really hard. And the other person is responding to the other thing and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, I feel yucky. <laughs> it is really unpleasant. But we do it all for you guys because we love you so much. It's worth it. Anyway, what has happened to you this week, big? Please tell me. Okay, so I've been exploring Grand Forks, North Dakota, population 50,000. It's huge. <laughs> it's not not huge, though. I know. I was actually talking to this gal who is from a like very, very rural part of Indiana. Like I asked her if she lived in a town, and she was like, well... I mean, yeah, there's like a couple houses where I am. So it's a burg. <laughs> I was like, a couple houses? I'm like, I grew up in one of the like 100 cities in LA County and it is 30,000 yep, people. So. Yep. Anyway, yep. It's all perspective. But since this is the biggest town for like 80 miles and it is a town and it's big. But I've been exploring, trying to learn the ways of the North Dakotans. And I found two exciting things. <laughs> One is I found, I think, maybe the only hipster in the whole town. He's a little on the punk side, but he works at a local coffee shop and he seems amazing. It's a dog themed coffee shop. Oh, yes. It doesn't allow pets inside. <laughs> it's, yeah, pretty exciting. So that was good. And then I also found, I've been searching for this is a local dive bar yeah with like greasy food and the people who work there have just the flattest vowels it's <laughs> so beautiful i could just sit and listen to them all day long so i really feel like i've achieved my north dakota dream that sounds amazing good job thank you thank you yes congratulate me i feel weird about that coffee shop honestly but <laughs> There's a few. It, they actually they roast their own beans uh, inside the coffee shop. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's just you know lots of paintings of bulldogs because obviously I mean it had to be weird somehow. It's North Dakota. I feel like you need to space out your um 
you know, exploration or else you're going to run out of room really quickly. Well, I would, <laughs> would be pleased to go back to this dive bar as many times as possible. So <laughs> this is just the beginning. Yeah. I'm about to become a regular and Good. no one will appreciate it. <laughs> I'll be like, what the heck are you doing here, Californian? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just listening to you. It's fine. Yeah. Please be rude to me again. I can't wait. <laughs> I just want to listen to your flat vowels. They're so nice. Oh, geez. Well, how about you? How was your week? Yeah, this week, I I don't know if this is like a milestone that you get to celebrate, but I'm celebrating three months of weightlifting. Yeah, girl. Nice. I've been super impressed with you. I feel like you're very diligent. Like you always go four times a week. You never miss. And you've been super committed. Yeah, it's been really fun. And it's like I've I've, of course, worked out before, not like super intense or anything, but like I used to run half marathons and stuff, but I used to do like a lot of cardio stuff. Mm -hmm. And weightlifting has been super fun because it's like more gratifying <laughs> instantly. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, maybe you're losing a little bit of weight or whatever. That's not really the point of me doing this, but you get to like up your weights almost every time in some exercise that you're doing. So it's like you know constantly that you're yes. progressing. Right. It's very measurable, right? Yeah. So I love it. I think I'll stick with it. And I'm excited to go to the UK, which when this podcast airs, I'll be in the UK ooh, 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 ooh. because I'm planning on going to lots of different gyms because our gym, which we love, love, love here, but it's more based on functional fitness. So it doesn't have like exercise machines so much. Um, and so I'm excited to like go and work out at all these like bigger gyms with equipment and mm -hmm. maybe like air conditioning because you guys, <laughs> it's freaking hot. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so hot in that gym. I got to warn you though, it's a little bit intimidating to go to a big gym after working out at the pump in Nepal. Yeah. The pump feels so manageable, you know? That's so true. It's like I know how to do everything. I know all the people that work there. Then I go to a new gym in the U.S. and I'm like, where's this thing? How do I find this? What does <laughs> yeah. this machine do? I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to prepare myself for it. Like Moon and I went, um, when we were in Pokra, we went to a fancy gym on Lakeside. It did not feel like anything like the pump. It was so weird. It was so shiny. Everything was so new. Hmm. So I'm kind of using that as a reference. Be like, remember how you felt <laughs> during that time? Remember all the Nepali bros that constantly left all of their weights on the machines that you had to unrack for them? Remember that? Yes. It's going to be like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I hope that you are enjoying that future you in the UK. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Let's talk about being single. <laughs> you know that Beyonce song? <laughs> My mom thought the lyrics were, I'm a single lady. <laughs> One time it came on and she started singing. She was like, I'm a single lady. I'm a single lady. I was like, mom, A, not the words. B, no, you're not. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm. Happily married. Stop it. <laughs> A little white mom, 60-whatever-year-old white mom. <laughs> if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. Mom, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> also, don't stop, because this is amazing. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> okay, so we are talking about this week being single as an expat. And 
Our main expertise on this is that we're both single. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not a good basis for a scientific study. (laughs) (laughs) Completely introspective. That's great. If I learned anything in my research class, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We don't have the benefit of also having experienced another way of being overseas. So it's a little bit hard to compare, but... We've both dated overseas. That's true. Yeah. To me, that's still in the single category. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we didn't get married after we dated. (laughs) Or have like a lifetime partner or something. Anyway, so uh, you may not know this, that it is more common for men to be single overseas, but not significantly so. Hmm. It's like, I don't know. 40% and 35% or something. Which is surprising because I feel like all the single guys that come into our circles get snatched up immediately. (laughs) It's true. Well, we have to give the caveat that we are in religious circles. And I think there's a big difference there. Like a lot of guys that go overseas that are single, usually, you know, they get sent by their companies as for work. Maybe they're starting a business or something. Uh, Whereas women more often go for maybe like working for a nonprofit. Mm. Um, and since we tend to be in nonprofit circles, then we interact more with single women. Yeah, we got a lot of those. True. I also would say, I think it depends on what country you go to as well. That's true. Like Paris mm-hmm. is going to be 100% white women in their late 20s, <laughs> for example. All looking for love. <laughs> All just waiting on that bridge where all the keys are. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but in Kathmandu, maybe not so much. We don't got that. Pro tip, don't move overseas expecting that that is how you will find your yeah. mate. And uh, single ladies don't, uh, well, ladies at all, don't move to Nepal if you're expecting to be able to not talk about your weight, your marital status, and your age. So if you're sensitive about any of those, don't come here. <laughs> True. Ageist. Actually, we were talking about um, uh, Moon and I were with a Nepali guy that we were working with. And um, we were talking to him about, you know, how funny it is. Like, we don't understand our own culture sometimes anymore because we've learned Nepali culture and um, and some things about Nepali culture we like more. And so we're talking about now that we're like, is it OK that I ask them about, you know, this topic? And then um, and so then we were saying that, you know, when we move to Nepal, then we have to learn that the first question that we're going to get asked is, what's your country? And then, are you married? And then usually, are you going to get married to a Nepali man? And then, how old are you? (laughs) Those are the questions that you will be asked by every single taxi driver for the rest of your life here. Yep. Yep. And we were like, yeah, in America, you can't ask any of that. That's all so inappropriate. And they're like, but that's the first things that you're supposed to ask somebody. Like the Nepali guys were like, what? (laughs) What else are you going to ask someone? Right. (laughs) Those are the thing. But we're like, we don't mind. (laughs) Oh, man. That's really funny. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, okay. So let's talk about some pros and cons of being single while being an expat. The first one is you don't have a built in community. Yep, you don't have your family around. I mean, this is true of anywhere you might move if you don't know anyone there, right? Yeah, you don't have a spouse, you don't have kids, you don't... And those are ways, too, that, you know, might help you make more social connections in the community or whatever. 
and you don't have that. So it might be difficult to connect with people. Yeah, you don't have like the automatic people who already know who you are as a person because likely you're probably going to change a little bit once you move overseas mm-hmm. and um and you might not realize that you're changing <laughs> because nobody knows who you are you kind of have like a little bit of flexibility right, yeah. and you're like oh i think i'm going to think i'm going to do this now or whatever which can be a good thing and a bad thing right cuz it kind of can give you a chance to reinvent yourself right but it can also be hard to, like, not have anyone around that anchors you. Mm-hmm. I think that was hard for me when I moved here because I'm a little bit more, uh, my personality is a little bit more fluid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you kind of changed to fit your situation. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I went home after a year and a half and hung out with all of my siblings. And um, I was like, holy crap, like, these people know me so well. They know who I was before Nepal and, like can pick out the things that have changed Mm, interesting (laughs) like this is it was kind of disconcerting yeah yeah um i think though you know not having a super structured family or partner or whatever also gives you a lot of freedom right yeah for sure you have freedom to hang out with lots of different types of people it's probably easier to like join a friend group or just like make friends in general and i think other single people especially uh in an expat community are really open to making friends they're also there for a new experience and in a way it's easy to bond with people really quickly if you're all single Mm -hmm. but then it also can be hard to make friends with people who aren't single because they kind of have their own thing going on and they might not be as desperate or relationships as you are (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And another thing within that is that you're more likely if you're single to move in immediately with somebody like another single person who is already living there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, this is something that my friend pointed out to me that in the US, at least most single people live by themselves. She Mm. feels like a lot of my single friends don't, but I think my friends are weird. (laughs) Um But usually, I think if you move overseas, you end up having a roommate. I mean, not always, of course. It depends on, like, why you're there and if your company sets you up with an apartment by yourself or with other people or whatever. Um, Even if you live alone, it's very unlikely that you're living in your own, like, house or that you're very isolated. Like, you probably have landlords that are around. Your neighbors are really Mm -hmm. aware of what's going on with you if you need help. Like, there's always people around. They're just, unless you're moving to a more individualistic culture than you're coming from, it's likely that you're going to have more relationships and more support from people nearby. And I think that is very helpful in um, transitioning to a new culture because I think personally Mm. that a lot of the people that we know who are um, a part of a couple and, you know, just move to Nepal and move into their own flat immediately, they get sick a lot more like their first year because they're like having to Mm. figure out stuff kind of by themselves, Mm. like figure out how to get good water, you know, where should they get water from? How do they cook these things? How do they prepare this food? And um, yeah, they end up getting sick a lot more than like somebody like me who moved in with somebody who had already lived here for years and had a good setup already. All I had to do was just parrot her for the first few months and it was fine. So 
That is so true. I never thought about that, but you're totally right. If you guys are ever thinking about moving overseas, consider getting a roommate. (laughs) Yeah, even if you're part of a couple. And I think that's also another good thing about being single is it kind of forces you to do stuff. You know, like yeah. if you're part of a family, maybe, you know, the husband goes to work and the wife like learns how to navigate the city and how to buy things or vice versa. Maybe the husband is going out and doing groceries and getting all this stuff. I think it ends up being that one person in the couple kind of figures out how to do life, you know, do chores, run errands, all that stuff. And the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're single, it's just you. You got to learn how to do it. And maybe That's it's right. uncomfortable, but it forces you to put yourself out there. Yep. That's so true. It's not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the theme of this episode. It's not all bad. <laughs> we are strong, independent women whose landlords worry right. about us not being married. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of that, uh, one of the notes I made when I was thinking about the positives about being single it's like you can stay out as late as you want (laughs) but i mean you know you can go to events like your life isn't running isn't scheduled around kids or other people Mm -hmm. right but also especially if you're a woman being single and you live in a city i mean really anywhere but especially in a new country new culture especially if you look different from the locals you might stick out it might not be as safe for you to walk around at night yeah so just hope that you live somewhere where you're taller than like 80 percent of the men yeah. <laughs> i know we have this alley on the way to our house it's like our, our city's pretty safe there were more attacks on people before i moved there like i remember this one gal a Two guys drove by on a motorbike and stole her purse and made her fall down and like broke her face yeah. on the curb. Um, or like people will just get kind of groped in passing or something, you know, and nothing like terrible, but enough that you don't necessarily want to walk around at night. But I remember when we first moved into our flat, me and Moon, our maid was telling us, You guys don't walk here at night like this is so dangerous this stretch and we're like really like it's right by the church this seems like a pretty chill area (laughs) she's like no there are drug dealers here and they will jump out around the corner and stab you with a dirty needle (laughs) we're like uh feels like an exaggeration (laughs) like they will absolutely i know the first like year that i lived there i was kind of nervous i did see a few needles on the ground sometimes is that why moon is obsessed with needles probably always talking about like watching out for needles yes i think that's why (laughs) she's like you know we'll walk by the drug lane and i'm like that's not a term It's not a term that we use for this road. (laughs) She's like, but the dirty needles. I'm like, okay. There are needles there. I've seen them. (laughs) (laughs) My friend actually walked me home once. And then like months later, he asked me about it. He was like, "Uh, I didn't want to ask you at the time because I didn't want to freak you out. But did you know like there's needles outside your place? I saw some when I walked you home. I was like, yeah, I guess. He's like, okay, I just wanted you to know. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, Get your friend to walk you home, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) 
get some of your own dirty dirty needles, you know. They, they stab you, then yeah, you can stab them back. Yeah, fight back. <laughs> the best defense <laughs> is a good offense. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, a lot of things having to do with the benefits of being single are related to just you have more freedom and more free time, right? So you have more time to study language and culture you know you can really like navigate that mm-hmm. how you want you don't have other relationship responsibilities that are tying you down um you can get out there as much as you want you can make friends with lots of different people really dig into the culture um although i would say the negative side of that at least for me i've found is i don't really fit in with anyone in Kathmandu. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, people that are single or women that are single are like 20, sassy 20-year-olds. 20 mm-hmm. yep. Or people that are my age, early 30s, are married with kids. And, I mean, that doesn't mean I can't be friends with them, but there's just more barriers to relationship. Yeah. But I feel like if I had a family, it would be a lot more natural to connect with other Nepali families. Yeah. And, you know, we'd have more in common to talk about raising kids and stuff like that. So there are like some really amazing Nepali gals that I know, but all of them that are like around my age and single are all like, like working really, really hard. So then it's Mm -hmm. like, hey, you want to hang out? And they're like, well, I don't have time. And I already have all of my own cool friends, Mm -hmm. you know, because I grew up here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and they have their families and True. stuff too, right? Yeah. Most of like them, like if you're single here, then you would still live with your family. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, they've got their own like things that they have to go to every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think being single means you have more freedom and openness in your identity, but That also might mean that you feel a little bit lost, Mm -hmm. you know, you have no one to anchor you down as you're transitioning to new culture and learning a new place and stuff. So that can be hard. But I think a big benefit is you don't have to navigate your own culture shock along with your spouse's culture shock and your kid's culture shock. That's so true. Yep. You can just be like angsty and be like, (laughs) I don't want to go outside today. And then you don't have to because you're not like making dinner for four people or whatever. Right. Exactly. Which I mean, probably it would be good to (laughs) be forced to get out of your little angsty shell. (laughs) Obviously, we um. We got over that, and we leave our houses mm-hmm. and go to work, and we leave our know, houses. Do other stuff. But what a concept! Yeah, once in a while. <laughs> but yeah, that's a super good point. Not trying to like guess, like okay, my husband is like being really obnoxious today. Oh, it's because this happened, and that's stressing him out in this new context. We can just be like, mm, okay, I'm gonna journal. For like 15 minutes about why I'm feeling obnoxious in this new context. Okay, great. Done. Moving on. Not to mention the fact that you don't have to parent here, Mm. which I think would be so hard. Like, I mean, I really look up to all of the people who have kids here because like I see, you know, like five and six year olds like learning how to ride their bike on this busy road. They're like cycling next to their parents and like motorcycles are like rushing by them. And I'm like, man, how do you raise really strong, resilient kids here without feeling like they're going to end up dying? Yeah, it'd be terrifying. Mm -hmm. Right. It's hard to navigate all the culture stuff, you know, like raising kids that are 
good at different cultures probably means they're never going to feel fully mm-hmm. into one culture, you know? And it's like, then they'll feel a little bit lost. And as a parent, that's hard because you're giving them this really rich, amazing experience that's unique. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, you might be afraid that you're not giving them enough stability or, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to navigate there that adds to the stress yeah. of just learning a new culture that we don't have to deal with. Yeah. And all of our friends who are like having kids here, like the complication of trying to book your plane tickets to coincide when you're going to be pregnant (laughs) and have a baby is so hard. Or having your baby in your expat, like in the country that you live in, Mm -hmm. and then having to like register them and get a birth certificate and get them a passport and a visa. It really like made me appreciate how easy it is to get my own visa. I'm like, yeah, I'm single. This is what my work is. I don't have any dependents, you know, versus like one of our friends who has three kids and is married and just had a new baby when they were getting a visa and it was a nightmare. <laughs> right. Yeah. When they had to get the <sighs> baby onto a tourist visa before they could switch it to the other visa. <laughs> yeah. and, and like all of their kids, <laughs> their visas expire at different times. <laughs> like it's so complicated. <laughs> You know, I think this episode is actually turning into like, hey, if you're single, you should move overseas. But if you're married with kids, like, don't even (laughs) think about it. Or if you already live overseas, try not to grow your family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we should have someone on with us that can argue the other side. (laughs) This is a bit one-sided debate. (laughs) Well, don't you worry, because Indy, I'm sure, will be commenting as she's listening to this. Yes. And she will set the record straight. That's true. She's about to have her second baby, so she can tell us how great it is. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, speaking of changing from single to not single overseas, should we talk about what it's like to date as an expat? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'll say we um, keep seeing these speed dating things that this local shop has been putting on. Like all of these really cool, young, professional Nepalis like go to these kind of things. Apparently, I can't make myself go. I've been trying to get White to go (laughs) for so long. Please go. Please. I just can't imagine anything more awkward than that. Like, I know. That's why I want you to go. Based on how many times I've gotten proposed to (laughs) in Nepal, I don't want to like, you know, give myself a sense of grandeur but speed proposals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm just not ready we can make it a competition like who can get the oh most proposals gosh. during your speed <laughs> yeah or like see how many men you can oh, be taller geez. than or oh i would win that one for sure oh for sure i've met a lot of nepali guys who are taller than me so i shouldn't like make myself out to be like some amazon yeah, no, you're truly not. I'm only five five, so <laughs> not Amazon status. Not even close. <laughs> anyway, so there are like things like that, like speed dating that are starting to come into play. Mm-hmm. And um and it's really fun as a single person to see kind of like what the dating culture is in mm. Kathmandu. Yeah. Cause it's kind of amazing. Cause like here, like Often it's arranged marriages, which is totally fine. But it's just interesting to see how that plays into kind of like all of these young people who 
are a little bit more westernized, like maybe they've grown up with a lot of Western influence in Kathmandu, or they've studied abroad and have come back to Kathmandu or something. Mm -hmm. But you get things like speed dating, where you're probably like, okay, well, we're dating and now we're going to get married. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is a lot faster. A lot of marriages happen over Facebook. Yes, so common. Yeah, just make friends with people and be like, hey, you want to get married? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this is a cultural gap that's really hard for me to bridge. I mean, I know people who've done it. I have lots of Westerner friends that have married Nepalis. But for some reason, that's just like, I don't even know where to start. Like if I met a cool Nepali guy that I wanted to date, I'd be like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) how does this work he'd probably try to flirt with me and i'd read it as like either mega creeper or just super lame and (laughs) like that is a cultural gap that is very hard for me to bridge so true people do it people do it all the time but i think you're right i think it would be really hard because i'm kind of used to having like my um like having a wall up Because we get asked so often by like taxi Mm -hmm. drivers or anybody that you come into contact with like, oh, are you married? Would you get married to a Nepali? Do you want to get married to my nephew? Like that kind of conversation that I kind of like just like (laughs) I'm like, you're not getting anything from me, you know, just like put up. Uh, my defenses it seems like it'd be hard to like actually or be like why do you only want to get married to me because i'm a foreigner i feel like once you're dating it's fine but yeah how do you how do you go from yeah not knowing someone to knowing them enough to want to date them i don't know if i really want to know i should go speed dating uh i'm telling you please i want to live vicariously (laughs) (laughs) but there's also like a expat dating culture I feel like a lot of people have that awkwardness. They don't know how to bridge that gap. They're just like, I'll date an Australian instead. (laughs) (laughs) Which sometimes gives some other cultural issues, I feel like. Different culture shock that you don't prepare yourself for. Yeah, so you and I have both dated uh, other expats while we've been in Nepal. And I met mine through uh, online dating, like a dating app. Mine. (laughs) Mine. (laughs) Yeah, how did that uh, that turn out? (laughs) Mispossessive. Yeah, uh, for me, I've used some like dating apps to meet people. Actually, turned out super good for me. I made a bunch of friends through it. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So that's another weird transition. I'm trying to date, but actually, I'm just making (laughs) friends. It's great. Uh, That's a thing that you know married people can't do. That's a way they can't make friends. (laughs) Us singles can't. But yeah, it's fascinating to see who's on dating apps, both Nepalis and foreigners. And online dating is a culture all its own as well. If you've ever done it in your home country or somewhere else, you know that there's all these rules that you have to follow. And I totally lived vicariously through Big, like all of her dating stuff. She's like, ooh, do you want to sit down and see all of my matches of the day? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> it's, and it's just so interesting to see who comes to Nepal. Mm. Like a lot of people who are like, well, I'm only here for three weeks, but... You know, like if you want to grab coffee or whatever, like I just want to know some people in Kathmandu, like a lot of those kind of people. Right. And a lot of interesting people, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I met some really cool people. Not that I, you know, went on any of the days. <laughs> there is also, though, I didn't really meet any of these, but a lot of people that are just like, they're to find themselves, man. And like they're all their pictures are them sitting on top of mountains with their feet crossed. 
Jack's sitting cross-legged. And I'm just like, mm. find yourself, then call me. <laughs> yeah, right. But it is a little messy. Actually, I there's a quote in this TV show that I've been watching that I really appreciated. And it was, it's just polite to get your life in order before you impose it on someone else. <laughs> yep. I feel like as an expat, that's actually kind of a hard thing to do. Like if you're single, you know, it's likely that you're having some feelings of loneliness or inadequacy. So finding someone to date might feel good for a while. Like it might make you feel less lonely or feel like you're important or whatever. And, mm -hmm. but you, you have to be aware of that and make sure that that's not the reason that you're dating the person, you know, right. that you're actually dating them because you like them and you are a good match. Yep. Especially if you're like me and you date someone from a fairly small circle of expats and then you have to see them all the time. <laughs> and if you're like me, you have a closed door mentality. And so once something is done, you're really done. You're like, what? You still exist? <laughs> what? But that happens like every single week. <laughs> Sounds healthy. Sounds really good. But I will say it's it's still a good experience, though. Oh, yeah, I think so. A another thing that probably or another aspect of dating that is more common for expats would be dating long, long distance. Oh, yes. Right? Good. Like if one of you moves overseas and the other one doesn't, or you meet online while you're in different countries, then there are all the challenges that go along with dating long distance generally. Plus, one of you is probably experiencing some form of culture adjustment, shock, mm -hmm. difficulty, and that just adds another layer. So yeah, if you're dating someone, they stick with you through your culture shock long distance. A plus for them. Yeah. Well, I will say I just made a new friend. She's very cool. She is in her 80s. And she is a super inspiration to me. She has traveled all over the world. She has lived in tons of countries, mm -hmm. including Nepal. And she plays sports and lifts weights. And we go out every week for a beer. She's number one in my heart. And I want to be just like her. And she's been single her whole life. So her single expat life has really done a good, done her a good turn. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to find those kind of people that are like really good examples of what mm -hmm. a good single life can be. Not to say that we'll be single forever, but also to say that if we were then yeah look how badass you can be she sounds amazing i want to be her she friend. truly is she needs a podcast i know i should have asked her for tips well speaking of tips before we end the segment on being single should we give a couple pieces of advice to our fellow expats and pretend like we're experts on this topic we're such experts number one experts. we have been single people our entire lives we <laughs> That's know true. <laughs> <laughs> I've been preparing for this moment from birth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first piece of advice is you have the freedom and time to try new things and explore. So do it. Put yourself out there. Yeah. Be brave. Give yourself the chance to be a little uncomfortable learning new things and figure out how to be a badass. <laughs> That is the ultimate tip that we can give you is to figure out how to be a badass. That's right. Yeah. Although it doesn't only apply to single people. <laughs> it's, it's broad for everyone. No. Just in general, like, everybody got to be a badass. <laughs> badass. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, like being single, I think is a chance to force yourself to put yourself out there a little bit more. And even if you're afraid, just be brave, go hang out somewhere, talk to people, make friends yep. or use it as an opportunity to invite people you already know a little bit to hang out with you and find people that enjoy the same kind of stuff you do. Yeah. The amazing thing about expat culture is that people are ready to make friends. They sure are. Almost always. Like, you can seriously go up to somebody and be like, hey, you're cool. Do you want to be my friend? They'll be like, yeah, do you want to have coffee? Yeah. I have definitely not done that. No, no. I've never <laughs> had any friends like that. <laughs> it's back to like third grade. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It works. Like, get to the point, you know, mm -hmm. like you might mm -hmm. be here a limited amount of time, like there's no time to lose. Yeah, it's true. And don't just make friends with single people either. Make friends with families, you know, yeah. you since you're the more flexible one, you can kind of jump into their lives and make those intergenerational friends, bro. Exactly. You know, we like families. If you like kids, volunteer to babysit their kids and you will be a part of their family forever. It's so true. They will appreciate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking of intergenerational friends, something that I really appreciate is that some of my good friends and some of my best relationships here are with women who are like around my parents' age so like mm. 50s or 60s. Yeah, people who have been single a lot longer than me and have a lot more world experience, but who also mm -hmm. like it feels kind of like an even playing field because we're both foreigners here and we're both single. And so it feels a little bit, I don't know, it's easier to foster those relationships here than maybe it would have been in the States. Yeah, you have like more points of connection than you would with someone. Yeah. Like from a different generation, maybe. Exactly. And those are some of my really good friends here. So, um, you know, we've just been talking about how important it is to figure out how to live a life here well and how to kind of be independent and how you get to know um, how to do things for yourself. But, my friend, your wisdom that you have been learning is not the end-all be-all, you need to hang out with people <laughs> who are older than you and who can, like, school you in a thing or two, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so true. Well, and that's not just with expats either. I feel like you have a chance to make friends with people that you wouldn't necessarily normally make friends mm -hmm. with, you know, when you move somewhere new. So that might be other expats or it might be people who are from that country. Yep. Very true. But you also, I mean, you want to make friends with different people, but you also need to have friends that have similar values to you and that will help you kind of commit to those values. You know, I think moving to a new place, learning a new culture, you start to feel very vulnerable and you're likely to slip into your biggest weaknesses, right? Oh, man, it's so true. So that's a time when you especially need people around you who can call you out and who can help you keep good habits and be a healthier person. Yeah. And I will say within that, like, keep up with people who know you from home. Like, we talked about mm -hmm. how nice it is to have your family back home who, like, people who know you from who you were pre-moving to your new culture. Right, Yeah. Yeah, keep up with those relationships and be honest about how you're doing and let 
you know, let that be kind of like accountability and some way so you don't completely give in to your vices oh for sure we know you oh yeah well we know us we know we got the vices didn't we do an ad for vices (laughs) oh my gosh we did yeah it was like not vices but like coping mechanisms yes coping mechanisms thanks for supporting the pod (laughs) long time supporter we still love you (laughs) oh man Oh, geez. Well, I'll say I think this is my final piece of advice, but this doesn't just apply to singles. This applies to everyone. And it is you need to know why you are living overseas. Mm, Good. And it can be any number of reasons. You know, you might have you might be really passionate about the type of work that your NGO does. You may really, truly love the culture and that you've moved to. You might be passionate about your business that you're working for. You might be passionate about supporting your spouse and your family. It doesn't matter what the reason is, but you need to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, when hard things come up and you start to get challenged, then you're going to lose your strength and your sense of purpose and your fabric of what you're doing. I always said, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but like, when I maybe for my first year of living here, when I was still really transitioning... And things would be hard and kind of figuring out what my community was, what my role here was. Anytime something... Before you and I were friends and we had a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like anytime something felt really hard and I got really grumpy and like maybe mad at Nepal or whatever, then I would always ask myself, if I got on a plane right this second and flew back to America, would that fix my problems? Mm, Yeah. And like... If the answer was like, no, because my problem is that I want to make more friends in Nepal or, you know, something like that, then like, I'm like, okay, well, there's my ego check and Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on with it and just let it be hard for a little bit because I know it's going to be worth it. But if you realize that, no, it's not worth it, then maybe you need to reassess, Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. your, your mental health and your stability of living in your country. And yeah. Yep. Know your why, like Big said. Know your why. Well, that's all we got to say about being single overseas. Yep. We'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah. What's your experience? Are you going to tell us that we have to get married? That's the only (laughs) cool way to do it. Are you going to ask us our age and our weight? (laughs) How much money we make. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think it's time for our segment of the week. Whoop, whoop. All right, this week we are talking about social media in Nepal, our personal experiences. It's a magical and mystical land. I don't know if you guys could guess that, but it's, yeah, it's it's pretty different. (laughs) I mean, we already talked about how Facebook marriages are a category next to arranged marriages and love marriages, so... So we're off to a good start. Um, I feel like you have you have a pretty funny story. Oh, yeah. Well, let me just say that the rules around social media in general, and Facebook specifically, are quite different here in Nepal, just as us younger people might feel when we see older people on Facebook. That is quite similar to how I feel when I see Nepalis on Facebook. <laughs> Just like you realize that you're operating on a completely different set of values and acceptable behavior. 
yeah, acceptable behavior is just on a different level. It so is. Yeah. Uh, my very favorite example of this was I, well, first of all, Nepalis use Facebook as basically everything. So they use it for Messenger. They use it as like their LinkedIn. They use it for like professional networking, but they also use it for like family stuff. They're constantly posting stuff about how much they love their family with like corny hearts and weird poetry (laughs) or just, you know, post a selfie and tag 50 of your friends in it so that you make sure that they see it. These kind of things. So I once was on fieldwork for work and our guide who was traveling with us, who was like an expert in the local language, he asked to be my friend on Facebook. (laughs) So I accepted and I immediately got many, many notifications of him liking pictures of mine from literally seven, eight, nine years back. (laughs) (laughs) Which is always a a horrifying feeling. He really did a deep dive into my photos. (laughs) (laughs) We do that too. We just don't tell people that we do that. You know, like if you accidentally click on somebody's like, like somebody's old photo, you're like, (gasps) no. Exactly. See, this is our rule. You're allowed to stalk people, but they can't know it. (laughs) Whereas Nepalis are like, yeah, confident, brave. Or you like, you tell them, you know, like maybe like you've just gone on a date with somebody and then you go home and you stalk them on Facebook (laughs) and then like you would never like anything. No, no. But you might tell them the next time like, yeah, totally blah, 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 you know, like joke about stalking somebody mm-hmm. but to leave evidence yeah not allowed <laughs> but that's again like nepal has more community culture stuff is out in the open like that america right, yeah not so much. there's not as much that's hidden yeah yeah anyway please continue okay but here's the kicker of my colleague yes so he went back liked a lot of photos commented on things but he uh found my recent temporary profile picture at Christmas of me wearing a Santa Claus mustache <laughs> and drinking a glass of wine. And he posted it to his own wall and wrote in Nepali, looking very beautiful. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And I thought I was going to die. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> sure who i was embarrassed for like i feel embarrassed right now just talking (laughs) about it like kind of for me that like a picture of me drinking wine was like being posted as we were working together but also for him that he would do that it just felt weird and all his friends liked it and thought it was very normal and you know commenting. (laughs) yes yes indeed she does look beautiful (laughs) (laughs) i will say speaking of likes like if you want your photo to get a lot of coverage mm-hmm. then oh my gosh nepalis are amazing for that they're like super supportive oh my gosh will yeah. like and will like comment on your pictures very and positive always it's kind of amazing that's true yeah yeah there's a lot of like social capital that happens on facebook yeah i also love though this is not a surprise because of course we do this in the west as well but like Phone etiquette is kind of the same, like it transfers over to Facebook. So, like we've talked about before, oh, yeah, that like when you call somebody in Nepali, then you're not gonna be like, Oh, hi, how are you? You're gonna be like, Hey, where are you? Yeah, 
people will say that on Facebook. They'll comment on your pictures and be like, where are you? Yeah, Have so you eaten? True. How are you? you know? yeah, yeah. If you don't know the context, that might sound like, why are you accusing me, asking me where I am, trying to figure out my life? Like, no, they're just, <laughs> they're just greeting you. Yep, yep. I really like that. Yeah, there's also, I think... I have this, like, personal rule that probably is similar to other people our age, is that I don't accept friend requests from people I've never met in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Nepalis do that all the time. I get tons of friend requests from people that just have a mutual friend in common, you know. it's Again, it's the whole networking thing. Like, yeah, because it's a communal culture, that ne- networking is such a strong, important part of their fabric, and therefore, might as well do it online, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's worth getting adept at. Mm, for sure. It's a great way to build relationships and, you know, become closer friends with people and show your support for them just like they show support for you. And you can figure out the like shortened romanized version of Nepali, like the text language of Nepali. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be a hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's deciphering. I know. Didn't you have Didn't you have a story of, like, someone texted you something and you didn't understand it, and then you showed it to a Nepali, and they also couldn't figure out what it said? Yes. Uh, well, it wasn't a Nepali, but it was somebody that who had been born here and, like, spoke Nepali fluently. Oh, right. We had to, like, say it out loud, like, a bunch of times before we could figure out, like, all of the discourse particles, you know? Like- <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mad Gab, that game, where, you know, it's like a bunch of sounds and you're trying to figure out the meaning. <laughs> yep. But anyway, just just a quick segment to hopefully entertain you guys, but also let you know that part of learning a new culture is also learning new social media rules of interaction. Yeah. And I can't imagine how weird the Nepalis think that we are for how like how we interact with them. Oh yeah. On Facebook. Oh my gosh. They're like why would you do that? That's so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, I think I hear my maid coming, so I think we better wrap it up. <laughs> well, thanks for chatting with me about being single overseas and thank you all for listening as always of course find us on the social medias at big white podcast we post amazing photos thanks to white (laughs) who does all of our stuff because she's such a good millennial (laughs) uh and yeah we have a patreon and an email and all the cool things so find us yep you guys know what to do we trust you you smart you know. Uh, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna hang up now. Okay, yep, I think I I better go. Okay, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the phone down. Okay. Alright. I'm great. putting it down. Okay. Great. All right, okay. you're awesome. All okay. right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Bye. Alright. Bye. 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 I'm sorry, I like should put this cheese away because it's just going to tempt me the whole time. Well, that's okay because I'm eating an entire like breakfast buffet on my bed, so. We are the classiest people who ever podcasted. That's why we podcast. Everybody who podcasts is like this, I'm pretty sure. I think you're right. It's like, here's us being human, but it's recorded.